So that's why I wrote the book because I just needed to get it out of me <laughs> because I was stewing about everything that went wrong and going over and over and over again, all the mistakes or the changes that could have been made. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode. I have a really fun one today, a very inspiring episode, and something I think is an important message for us all to hear. First, a couple of things. I want to thank everybody who's reading, well, reading, but also mostly leaving, ratings and reviews. You can do that anywhere you listen to the show, and that's really helpful to help us grow. If you want to hear a backlog of episodes, I'm putting the ones that have disappeared off the internet because we are almost at at episode 200 on Patreon. So you can find the link to that in my Instagram bio, which is hillsport55. You can also find that by just searching Trail Running Women in Patreon. So I'm also doing a blog on training. I'm going to take a second attempt at running a fast marathon to try to get my goal time, which is, you know, somewhere between 3.05 and 3.08. It's going to take a lot of hard work, and it might take more than one year. And I'm just kind of chatting about uh, how it's going and things that come up and There will be one a month. The first one was January, and it talks about kind of how things are going so far compared to last year, and then also people's response to your goal, and how funny that is. It's like when you say the name of a baby before it's born, and people are like, oh, I don't like it. Anyways, today's guest is Melissa Rudolph, and she started running on a whim when her kid's school had a 5K one Saturday. So nobody in the house was awake, and she figured it would be fun to try. Since then, she has moved forward to various distances, including long-distance triathlon, where she DNF'd three times in one year. You can see how much fun she had trying, and this is so cheesy, but how she enjoyed the journey, and everything she learned about herself, and about racing, and about her health, and that she just wants to keep on trying. So I think it is really important, because sometimes you have to hear this message that it's not just about the final product, but it's about everything that comes along with it and the training and she's just such a great example of that so she actually wrote a book called the year I didn't finish so you can find that on Amazon and I'll link to that in the show notes so Melissa lives with her husband and her children in Maryland and she has a fantastic story and I will let her tell the rest all right welcome back to the next episode of the trail running women podcast I have a little bit of a different guest today who's done primarily triathlons But I saw a book that you wrote on Facebook about the year you didn't finish and thought, well, that title alone is enough to want to speak with you. And then I started looking into things and you have a very inspirational story and I'm so excited to chat. So welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks for having me, Hillary. I'm glad to be be able to be here with you today. And you are over in Maryland, which we were just saying, and 45 and didn't start running until later in life, correct? Yes, and I'm trying to think about um, when I started. Uh, most likely, it was about 12 years ago, um, and I was never much of a runner. I I didn't enjoy running. I I was a swimmer, and I played tennis growing up. I played some volleyball, but running was something I usually tried to avoid, like most people. <laughs> so. Um, one day, one of my kids, their school was having a 5K, and 
everybody in the house was asleep. So I looked at the time and and I said, you know, I think I can make it over there and, and go and try this. And I, so I went and I went for a run, which was more walking than running because I had not trained at all. <laughs> um, and I was the last one to finish, but it was such a great community. I just got hooked because everybody was so encouraging and it was uh, just such a great atmosphere that I, I just, just started signing up for 5Ks and um, my oldest daughter would run with me, although she at the time was eight years old uh, and she'd be way ahead of me and she'd just run with other people <laughs> until I meet her at the finish line. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I've really enjoyed kind of a long, um, a long circuitous way of getting into endurance sports, uh, just starting slow. Okay. Well, before we move on, that I think is a little bit more interesting than you are giving it credit for. So to, <laughs> to go from hating running to just moseying on over to a 5k, which I mean, when we've all run these crazy distances, you're like, oh yeah, it's only 5k, but that's not true. Like when you are new to running 5k is an awful long way. It so is. Yeah. What was going on kind of in your life that even gave you the pause to want to try something so outside of your comfort zone? Do you know? I think it it was a really particularly challenging time in my in my life and my work. Um, in, in my in my job, I'm a clergy person, so I, I deal with a lot of things that happen in the church and with in the community. And it was just a nice chance to have some time to myself. Um, and I think at that point, I had just. Um, we have seven kids, and at that point, I think we had four in the house. Um, and and just the moment of recognizing that if I just left the house in the quiet and went out, I would have time to myself. That alone was the draw. I just wanted to do it. <laughs> so um, I so I was really uh, just really looking for an outlet, like so many moms, especially, um, and really working moms too. You know, just to have something that was for me. Uh, and and it and it turned out to be something that really could be seven children. Okay, yeah. so t- tell us a bit about um, that. How old were your kids when you did this five k, and how old are they now? So I guess when I did this five k, my oldest was probably I think they were eight and six and uh, four, and then I had a newborn at the time. So right now my kids are twenty eighteen. 15, 12, 8, 7, and 4. So oh I, have, I have everything. I have out of college, in college, high school, middle school, elementary, and preschool. This is wow. my this is my first year in 20 years that everybody is in school and leaves the house in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I've oh, always had somebody around. So it's it's really uh so it's a it's a fun change. I'm really enjoying this season. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. I mean, I have two stepdaughters and one three-year-old, and I am like, oh my goodness, this is exhausting. When are they all going to be out of the house? Uh, <laughs> but you've uh, you've trumped me for sure. That's amazing. So, what do they think of this um, new hobby of yours? You said you run or ran with your eight-year-old, but they must be pretty inspired watching you take this on. Um, they are, and and then. It's funny because they also, they all kind of 
joke about it too. They they all kind of laugh at me um, if when I'm on the treadmill and uh, the youngest ones are the most into it. The the one who's now seven and um, now four because they remember when I, I I trained for the Baltimore Marathon a couple of years ago and I would be pushing them around in the stroller. And so they consider themselves my coaches <laughs> and they, so they get more into it than I do uh, or than the other kids do. Um, and then the other ones just kind of roll their eyes at me sometimes still, but I think they're really proud <laughs> when I, when I finally come home and, and have, have done the race, uh, I think that they're secretly inspired. <laughs> yes, I have no doubt. I mean, I think eye rolling is just a, no matter what you do, that's what you're going to get from, yeah. from ages. It's just a function of teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So before we get a bit into how you juggled all of that, why don't you tell us how it escalated from the 5k to what races, and then ultimately we'll get into your book. So Growing when I was a kid, I remember I was on a, a year-round swim team, and I always I had seen something about triathlon, so I knew that it existed. I knew that it was something um, that I I just knew I could do it, even though I, at that point I wasn't a runner at all. And so what happened when I when I did that five k, I said, oh. I guess I could be a runner. I could do that part. And then as I started running more, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, this is the leg of the swim bike run that I was most nervous about. And now I'm I can do this. And if I can if I can do this little run, I can run further and then I can I can tackle the other events too. Um so I don't, I don't know why. I think as I got more into the 5Ks, I realized that I, I was really just getting warmed up by the end of the race. <laughs> so I tried to, you know, I moved on to a 10K with my daughter. Um, and then uh, just out, kind of out of the blue, we had moved to a new area. And uh, so I had not been running as much for a couple of years. But then I got it into my head, and I'm not even sure how, but just this idea that I wanted to do the Baltimore Marathon. Um, and I think it was because my father had um, had died of cancer, but I would go into the city while he was having his treatments. And I remember being in the parking deck and looking out over the city and thinking, wow, it would be really cool to run through that whole city. Uh, so I started to, so I got that seed planted in my mind that I wanted to run the 26.2. Um, and I'll say my training did not go that well. <laughs> and, uh, and I was really unprepared for it when I showed up at the starting line. Um, I hadn't put in as many hours and miles as I needed to, but I had this sense that I could still finish the distance. Um, I just needed to start. So I, I set out and my my one goal was to beat the course shut down. I didn't want to be, be swept off the course. And I got to like mile 20 and I looked across the lake and I saw the sag wagon 
across the lake. So I knew I was a mile ahead of the end of the race. <laughs> so I just kept going and, and I was probably the last official finisher to cross the line. The guy was shutting everything down, but he hadn't turned off the computer yet. So I got an official time of like seven hours and 26 minutes. <laughs> but, but then I said, I said, I, this would have been so much more fun if I had trained well and if, if I could do it faster. But I just loved everything about being out there on the course as, as many hours as it took. Just, again, that sense of it being a time where, you know, as a mom especially, you, you can do like 57 things in an hour. But I love when I'm running or swimming or biking – all I have to focus on at that moment is that event, just just being present and in that moment. Um, so I I was really I was hooked on the distance at that point. Um, and then in the back of my mind, I, I I thought, well, I'd always been inspired by Iron Man, and I said the thing I, that scared me the most was the run. And even at my untrained slow time of finishing, I knew that it was, it would meet the Ironman cutoff for the run. So I said, that's what I've got to do next. <laughs> uh, so my husband says, I tend to just, I jump into things fully. I, I don't always take the baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. And I can relate to that so much. And I think it's always been that way where running, especially trail running, or a race where you don't have your phone and you don't really have, well, and obviously you don't have kids saying, Hey, can I have a glass of water or whatever it is, but yeah. you also just don't have that option. So it's, they talk about how important meditation and slowing down is, but this just kind of forces you, like you said, to live in the moment. And all you have to think about is how do I get myself a little bit farther ahead in this race? And it's just so nice to feel so simple. Yes. Yeah. I can relate to that for sure. Okay. So this is very interesting. So you get an official time, but it is not, it is not when the cutoffs, right? So it's right. not actually right. Okay. So when let's go two things. First of all, how did your husband react when you said, okay, I'm going to do an Ironman? Did, was there any hesitation or was he like, okay, let's train for it. Let's do this. He, he, is always hesitating. He he thinks he's like, no, you've got to do a sprint first. You've got to start at the beginning. Um, but I, so yeah, he, he was not on board at all, but he's also someone who knows that I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> and so, um, you know, he tries to be as supportive as possible, but in the back of, he was really afraid that I would end up dying on, on the bike, especially. So that he has that lingering concern that, you know, something tragic will happen. Uh, but which I think is fair, especially for people who haven't done the race yes. that are just, yeah. it feels so overwhelming that your brain can't quite comprehend that distance and you, they sort of start to panic. Right? Yeah. Okay. So talk us through the decision then to pick a race and let's get into how you ultimately trained for it. Yeah, well, so I picked um, I picked Ironman Lake Placid, which of course you know is one of the hardest ones. So obviously that would be the one I'd try first because I thought it would be 
it was, I figured it was a drivable distance for, to be able to take the family. Um, but also in the midst of all of this, I was actually going through a bit of a health crisis. Um, I was, I had gotten really sick and we didn't know why. Um, and I was going through just months and months of tests, every kind of test, um, with gastrointestinal stuff. And it turned out I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, and, and so that was kind of, it was shocking, um, because it's something that I actually share genetically with my half sister. Um, so one of the things that really spurred me on was I recognized that team challenge for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation was participating in Ironman Lake Placid. And the date of it actually coincided with the anniversary of my, um, of my diagnosis. And so it was like really, um, it, it just kind of confirmed to me that it was something I needed to try. Uh, but of course this was, I, so I signed up and it was November of 2019. So I start training. And of course what happens, all the races get canceled for 2020. Um, so I'm training through, um, Oh, what a letdown. Yeah, it was, it was totally, um, not what was expected for any of us that were racing at the time. But, um, so the challenge was training when pools weren't open and uh, everybody was at home. And of course, you know, so my daughter had to come home from college and, and everything. So we had, we had nine people living in our house <laughs> and I couldn't, so, and there were so many restrictions on where we could be. What I actually, because we live in a church parsonage, um, we live right beside right beside one of our churches. So I started running in the parking lot and through the cemetery because the cemetery is a quarter mile loop. Um, so I would just do, I would run out there and, um, and then my administrative assistant got me a, a dumb trainer so I could just set my bike up because the crazy thing that happened was when everything shut down, the traffic in my community tripled at least. I mean, there was just, there were so many cars on the road. It really wasn't safe. So I just started riding on my trainer a lot. Um, so I trained through that, you know, all through the pandemic. And the really amazing thing that happened, um, was the training itself was putting me in remission from my disease. Um, so I recognized, so my doctor even recognized that it was the best medicine and I was actually able to come off of every other type of medicine that they had me on um, because the training itself was suppressing my immune system to keep me healthy. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. That's so interesting <laughs> yeah. because especially usually with people with Crohn's, it's the opposite where they're afraid to do things. Yeah. Um, let's back up for a second though. Can you explain to our listeners what is Crohn's? I mean, as much as you're comfortable with? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's an inflammation of the, um, the small intestine in particular where, um, it's just hard to digest food and, um, there can be, and there can be other types of complications with inflammation throughout your body. Like your eyes can turn real red and, um, sometimes it can just feel like your whole body's on fire. Um, and so you, you have, lots of challenges with diarrhea and other types of, um, vomiting. It's hard to, it's just hard to keep food down. Um, 
and which is challenges you find with endurance sports yeah. as is. So That's now right. you're faced with like an uh, a questionable gut going into a race. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, and then of course it was COVID. So we always also had the concern where as an immune, immune compromised person, it, it just felt even more dangerous to, you know, what would happen if, if the virus were introduced into the environment and things. So, we, you know, we, right. we played it, the family, they played it really safe with me. Like, you know, did all the shopping and, um, made sure I wasn't going out in public as much as every, as, as the rest of them, you know, but, uh, but yeah, but as I was training, I just kept getting stronger and stronger and, and healthy. I was the healthiest I'd been in a couple of years at that point. Cause it was, I mean, I had, I had done some traveling things. So they were testing me for all kinds of tropical diseases and everything. So just to know what it was, to know it, Mm-hmm. was good to to be able to pinpoint that but the but the training was essential to to keeping me well I love that that's that's super inspirational and I think like I've had some friends both with colitis and with mm-hmm. Crohn's um and yeah as I said like this the fear of your stomach being upset when you're doing these things I think can sometimes set people backwards um and then you're you're, you're more stressed too. And they talk about that having an, an impact on inflammation. So even just the stress relief is so important. Yes, definitely. So, okay. So you're training, it's in COVID. Obviously some of your kids are small at this point. Mm -hmm. So talk to us through like, how did you get the hours with so many kids, especially with them all at home, um, to just get the training done? It, so being able to just do the loops around the parking lot beside my house. Um, It was easy that way because they could toddle out and kind of be on their tricycles and, and be outside with me in more of a controlled environment where I didn't have to worry about where they were going. Um, So it was, it was a really good opportunity. Um, And then also just, you know, you have to grab those early morning hours <laughs> before anybody gets up to, um, you know, I, I would set up my trainer. We have a barn in the back of our house. Um, and so I would set up my bike on the trainer out in the barn at, you know, 6 a.m. before anybody was really moving around in the house. Um, and then the kids were young enough uh, they were they were still they were very young but they were still old enough to know that if they couldn't find me I was probably out in the pain cave <laughs> or I was you know running in the in the parking lot so they knew where they could look for me if if they did need something but but also you know when you have nine people in the house there's usually the beautiful thing about a wide family like we have is the older ones tend to take care of the younger ones and and they they help each other out a lot so that actually gives me more opportunities to train and to be away than if if I were in a situation where it was just me and a, a three-year-old, especially three-year-olds who are inquisitive and trying to do everything on their own. <laughs> so uh, so they were really help, you know, trying to make sure I had time to to myself to be able to train. Um, so they they were really helpful. <laughs> 
I just want to take a quick second to thank our sponsors. Our first sponsor today is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I took AG1 for the first time last summer because I really needed a way to get more vitamins and minerals into my body to help with recovery, to help with gut health, and something I thought might help with energy. And I was having a really hard time finding a green powder that I didn't think tasted totally disgusting. So the first time I took AG1, I was super surprised. It actually does taste good. So I take AG1 in the morning, usually before a workout with a nice cold cup of water. I definitely add a few into my son's smoothie and I feel like I'm covering all my nutritional basis and his, which is super exciting. I noticed very quickly that I was recovering from races and from long training days, especially when we were traveling and jet lag and all the other things that take away from the ability to get in full, healthy greens and apples and apples and fruit and everything that you need. Sometimes you just need a way to get it all in at one time. So it's made with 75 super high quality vitamins and minerals and whole food source ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today's a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP. That's athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP to check it out. That's awesome. And it's so much more fun when it becomes like a family event. Sometimes for my long runs, my kid will scoot part of it and my husband rides the bike and the dog comes and it's, it's really, it makes it just so much better. Yes, it does. And then it's funny, they'll try to race me and I'm like, well, I'm not really (laughs) a sprinter. (laughs) And kids go out of the gate hard. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's fun. So to even continue to train through COVID is pretty awesome because there was no, well, maybe in the States, I guess it was a little bit different, but for us, especially there was no sort of end date on when these races would come yeah. back. So I know it was a big letdown and hard on the motivation for a lot of people. Um, when did you actually get to race and, and let's go through it. How did it go? So I finally got to race. My first event was the Eagle man, which is a 70.3 here in Maryland. Um, and it was, so that was June of 2021. Um, my husband said, well, if you're going to go to Lake Placid in July, you need to have done a race before we get there. Um, but the really challenging thing that happened in our family was, so I, so I'd been training through COVID training all that time. And then in about, um, April of 2021, um, my husband's mother, um, her husband, her husband had a medical crisis and he needed to be in the hospital and she has dementia. So she needed to go somewhere. Um, so she came to our family. She came to be in our household. Um, and that was really challenging because here I'm, I'm caring for the kids and my mother-in-law and the races that I've been training for are coming up. <laughs> so it was, um, so the real, the real hard part was after all of that, the, the time that I was supposed to be doing my greatest build for the races, it just didn't, it didn't work the way I wanted it to. Um, so I went to Eagle Man and 
uh, I had a, a pretty good swim. I was excited about, you know, coming out of the water and, um, and just be actually doing a race. I'd never done a triathlon at all. Um, and then I got on the bike and I, and I felt pretty good about it, except, um, I started getting the sense early on that, that I was not as far ahead as I should be. Um, and at one point, these people that were driving by actually rolled down their window and asked me if I was in the race. <laughs> and, oh, no. and I was like, yeah. And I kind of, I thought they were course marshals or something, but it turned out they were just people driving home from church on Sunday morning. And um, um, so, I, you know, I, I went through and I'm, I'm biking along and, and I ended up missing the cutoff on the bike for by 10 minutes. Um, and I, you know, I was like heartbroken. I could, I could think back to all the places maybe that I had wasted those 10 minutes where I, you know, if I had been faster in transition, if I had not stopped as long to go to the bathroom, you know, all of those things. Um, so it, so that was my first DNF. My first race was a DNF and, um, and I, and I thought, oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing because I have all these people that know I'm here at this race, my, all my church people, what are they going to think? I'm such a loser. (laughs) Um, and, and that's not what happened. They, when I came home and I told everybody what I had done, they were like, you mean you swam 1.2 miles? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you, you biked 46 miles and, and they were all like, they were all proud of me just for trying. I mean, they were really, really, um, impressed that I even showed up and that I even tried. You know, that probably is so important to whether or not you continued on. Yeah, it, it, it is because other people were like, well, okay, maybe, maybe, you know, you should go back and try some other distances that are shorter. You know, that would have made sense. But again, I had Lake Placid looming. It was right in front of me. Um, and, and, it, and so we, you know, again, we, we still had my mother-in-law at home and we were trying to, to get her transitioned back to her house. Um, and so we actually moved her back home Um I guess it was two days before we had to leave for Lake Placid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I went there, you know, still, you know, not entirely sure and, and whether I would be able to do it or not. And, but I, I felt like I had done my very best. I, you know, training for the race for, at that point, I guess it was 19 months or almost two years just to train for that one race. Um, I knew that there wasn't any more than I, that I could have done with, given the circumstances and, and just all the dynamics at home. Um, so I went and, uh, they, and I had a great swim. I was really, really feeling really good on the swim. Um, but what happened was I ended up with something in my ear Uh, And so I had this inner ear thing happening. So I'm on the bike and I get to an aid station 
and I, and I said, do you, any of you have, I, I need rubbing alcohol or something. Cause there's something in my ear and it started making me really, I was getting dizzy from it. Cause you know how inner ear things are. Yeah. And, yep. and so the medic at the, at the aid station said, have you done the keen descent yet? I said, no. He's like, well, you can't do that. He said, if you're dizzy, you can't go down that mountain. <laughs> no, yeah. I just need you to give me something to get out whatever this critter is that's in my ear. And at that point, I didn't know. It felt like a bug or something. It was awful. And they and they didn't have anything. People at the aid station said, you know, we have tampons, but we don't have anything for your ear. Um, and so the medic said, look, I really don't think you should go on. And I said, but I'm here. I can do it. I just need, and he said, it's real. it's just not safe. It's not safe for you to do it. And so I had to make the decision that that was going to be the end of my race. Oh, heartbreaking. <laughs> and, and I was, I was just so, I said, this is so stupid. It's my ear, you know, I, you know, why can't I, I said, physically I can do this. Um, but then I, I knew, no, if the medic is telling me I, I shouldn't, I, I can't be stupid. I just have to listen to them and live yeah. to race another day. Um, so, so I had to call it and, um, and it was really, it was kind of interesting because my kids, they were, you know, hugging me and they were still, you know, really proud of what I'd tried. Um, and then I said, I just want to drive to Vermont and get some ice cream. <laughs> so we we loaded up the van and we started driving. And um, and while we were driving around the area, my husband was like, wait a minute. He said, did you ride your bike up this hill? I said, yeah. He said, and this hill? I said, yeah. Like I got to the top. I just wasn't allowed to go down. <laughs> and uh, so it, it was, it was, uh another one of those letdowns. But again, the same thing happened when I came home, people, they, they were like, you mean you swam 2.4 miles and you, you biked up that hill? I said, yeah. Um, and I even had a parishioner who she came to me and she said, Pastor Melissa, we, we went on this camping trip last week and we went to Lake Placid and we stood on the beach and said, can you believe that Pastor Melissa swam all that way? And and it was, uh, you, you know, it's one of those things that as disappointed as I had been, it was, um, it was really inspiring for me to hear that people still appreciated the work um, and, and understood, even if I didn't finish, um, that I you know, that I had put in a lot of effort to, to get as far as I did. So, um, and it was, and I told people too, I said, it was kind of funny because even on the bike, I was near the back of the pack. So I got lapped by the, the winners, you know, the, 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 especially the men, the men professionals. Um, and they were just, and it's the same, you know, even though they were out to win the race, they were all being so encouraging and saying so many things like, keep going, you've got this, you can do this. Um, and, 
and I said it was like, you know, people pay to go to fantasy camp for Major League Baseball and things where they can be on the field with their favorite players. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about endurance races is, you know, the people you look up to, you can be on in the same field as them, you know. Uh, it's kind <laughs> of like so a master class, you know, watching watching the fantasy camp you know, while they're while they're lapping me. <laughs> Well, that is an aspirational attitude about it all for sure. Okay. So two questions. What was in your ear? We never found out. It was, it was some kind of, it was like water and then some kind of little bug. And it was so bad that I actually had to go to the ENT when I got home from Lake Placid. So it was still for like a week I was dealing with whatever was in the ear. So at oh some goodness. point, I guess it came out in the night, but it was just moisture and gunk and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but we've yeah. all had that where, and it, yeah, it would throw you right off. So, I mean, you made the yeah. right decision. Okay. So now we have two, two races yeah. Yeah, that didn't go to plan. So what did you do next? Next, I went to Ironman Maryland, which was close to home. And first of all, my husband was like, nobody's... It, no beginner signs up for two Ironmans in the same year. Is it just, that's, you're crazy. I said, well, you know, I figured all the training I'd done for Lake Placid, I could just build on it. And, you know, I, and Ironman Maryland is the same course as Eagle Man. So I knew I had had some experience there. And uh, so I just thought my, you know, this might be, this might be my race. Uh, but that was that was my biggest failure because that race it was first of all they had um there were so many jellyfish that they made it wetsuit legal even with the temperature being um too high for wetsuits uh so i got in the water and I'm into the swim. Now, mind you, the swim has never been an issue for me at all. I, it's the one I'm most confident in. Um, I just never, I'm never even concerned about it. But I started getting stung. And I started getting just, just feeling horrible. And I had this moment where I finally clung to the, I, I grabbed onto one of the buoys, which I'd never even done in a race before. Usually I just get in, I swim straight ahead, never stop, keep going. I just clung to the buoy and I was like, I just, I don't have this in me today. I, I just can't do this. Um, and I was thinking about at that point, that was a weekend where like one kid had a volleyball tournament, another kid had a soccer game, all these things that I was missing. And so I said, I'm out there in the water, just feeling sick, stung up by these jellyfish. And I just said to myself, I don't want to be an Iron Man. I just want to be a mom. And that's okay. <laughs> so I, so I, that was the one where I finally, I just quit. I said, it's been too long and too hard a year. I'm, I just, I don't have this in me today, so I'm not going to do it. Um, so I had a beautiful boat ride back, back to the, to the start. And, and it was just, I couldn't believe that I'd done all that work and had nothing to show for it. Um, it sounds like by that point, you might've just been tired. Yeah, I was, it was just, I was emotionally 
Yeah. I was just emotionally exhausted. I just didn't have it in me. And it, and looking back, you know, and that's why I wrote the book because I was heartbroken that that's how it had, had ended. And I wanted to look back and say, you know, what else could I have done? Where, where did I go wrong? So I started, I just, you know, I just started pouring out my heart and typing up, you know, the whole story of how I had gotten there. Um, so that's why I wrote the book because I just needed to, to get it out of me because I was stewing about everything that went wrong, you know, trying to dissect it all the time and going over and over and over again, all the mistakes or the changes that could have been made. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I just have to once and for all get it out and put it on paper and be finished. <laughs> um, and so working through that, you know, it was a good process because it helped me to to see that even though I didn't finish any of the races, there were so many things that I was able to do because I was healthy, because I was strong and things that um, that I was able to overcome just because I had been training. If I hadn't been training, I wouldn't have been able to to do half of the things I had to deal with through COVID and through my mother-in-law coming to be with us. The stress alone probably would have killed me. Um, and and so it was it was a good process to be able to get to a point of gratitude for for the years uh, that that I'd had and to recognize that the DNFs, they're not the worst thing in the world. You think they are. And, and that's why a lot of people don't even want to race. They're afraid that they'll fail at it. But, um, but there's so much more to be gained just by trying just to, just to put yourself out there and to start. Yes, exactly. You nailed it on the head. Like so many people are just afraid to hit the sign up button. So to be willing to just go after it is so awesome. And I think your book is going to inspire so many people to just say like, this does not define me if I fail this. Like it's, that's not the part that matters. But I would like to know after all of these DNFs, have we had any successful races? <laughs> well, last year I, because I was so tired, um, I was, I, I, I did a couple of Olympic distance races and I was able to finish. I was able to cross the finish line. And it was, it was really, um, it was funny because I do, I was still in the back of the pack for, um, for the bike and I got to transition and I wasn't even sure they were going to let me run. And so I finally, I'm putting on my sneakers and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm actually running. <laughs> I've actually made it off the bike. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I, I'm running and, and um, the race, the, the race that I'm doing, it's a, a local race that Kinetic Multisports puts on. And, uh, and they're such a, a great boutique company. Um, because they really do, they just encourage you and they're not as good about pulling you off the course if you're last. They just help you get along. Um, and I was the very last runner. Uh, I was the last one to cross the finish line. Uh, and it was funny because it was a raining, horrible weather day. 
Um, and at one of the aid stations, my husband was there. And it's funny because he, nobody came with me. I had left early in the morning and gone by myself. The race was like two hours from my house. Um, but he was standing out there with an umbrella and handing me my cup of water. Um, and then he was like, keep going. I'll see you at the finish line. And, and as the last runner, like all of the, all of the staff, everybody was there. They're yelling last runner. And they all come over and they cheer for me and give me my medal. (laughs) Um, and the best part is, um, at the aid station, they gave me three whole pizzas. You know, <laughs> when you're the last one, you get all the food that you want. So, so I'd finally finished a race, um, and then I was able to to do another one, which was actually the weekend after Florida had the hurricane this year. So we weren't even sure the race would happen because the weather conditions were so bad. There were like forty mile an hour headwinds and. Um, and all of the water got really choppy and it was really foggy, but it actually, the race went off and, and I raced it and I wasn't the very last one that time. <laughs> um, so my husband's like, Hey, you're not the very last one. You're making progress. So, um, so I, I did actually finish two races and then I did a, a trail half marathon, um, which I hadn't done a lot of trail running, especially in races, but we have a local one close to where I live. And, and so I said, well, I've been training for triathlon, so let, let's go out and try this trail race. And um, so it was a beautiful day and I was glad to try that as well. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. So, so three finishes this year, even though they weren't the distance <laughs> that I had set out to do yet. So I, I still have unfinished business when it comes to Ironman. I have no doubt that you will finish that Ironman. And in my opinion, the shorter ones are almost harder because you have to go faster. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was, that's what I was thinking. It will all be really great training towards your Ironman. And I can't wait to see how that goes for you. Um, Last couple of questions. Well, actually, first of all, where can everybody get your book? Um, it's it's on Amazon and other places where you buy books. Um, that's the the easiest way to get a hold of it. Okay, perfect. And I will link to that in the show notes as well. Um, but when you finished your first race, what were you most excited to eat? <laughs> Oh, well, for at, at that point, clearly the pizza. I mean, I love pizza <laughs> anyway, but, you know, I probably ate half of the one just by myself. <laughs> That's totally fair. Well done. And if you could describe triathlon in three words, what would they be? <sighs> three words for triathlon. That's hard because you just want to say swim, bike, run. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, but I guess for me, it's, um, moving spiritual discipline. Oh, those are so good and very accurate. Yes. Well, I want to thank you so much. This has been so much fun. You, your attitude around racing and training and like where the success actually is not really at the finish line is pretty inspirational. And as, as we said, if people could do these things without fearing not finishing them, it would be like just the health of people would improve so much. So I hope people take that from this. Um, if our listeners want to find more of you, do you have an Instagram or a blog or anything like that? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram at 
MCH Rudolph. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And I can't wait to follow up and see how your full Ironman eventually does go. All right. Yeah, I'm signed up for for Ironman Maryland this September. So let's Ooh, maybe we'll do a follow up. <laughs> yeah, let's hopefully it'll it'll uh, it'll go swimmingly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that it will. Oh, thanks. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me.